everybody. This is Harriet Westmore with the More Wine and Music podcast, the podcast where I discuss um, music genre over a glass of wine. Um, tonight's going to be a special episode, so let me get started. My All right. Hope everybody is doing well this Saturday evening. Um, I wanted to come on in spite of uh, what's going on in my personal life. I uh, just wanted to first give a shout out to um, happy birthday to Charlene, Teresa Searcy, Shelton. Um, I had an opportunity, she's an old uh, classmates, we went to school together. It's my first time um, actually seeing her in many, many years. So I wanted to um, give her a shout out. I don't know if she's listening, but uh, happy birthday. I enjoyed myself and, you know, we're going to do it again soon. Also, this episode is uh, dedicated to um, my sister, um, Phyllis. Um, she has uh, transitioned um, as of today. So. I want to dedicate this show to her. So Phyllis, this is for you. I love you. I'm going to go into episode number 11. This is uh, Miles Davis. Everybody who knows Miles Davis knows who he was. He was a great influential uh, trumpet player in the jazz uh, genre. So um, I wanted to talk about him for episode 11. 11. Miles Dewey, Dewey Davis III. That was his actual name. Miles Dewey Davis III was born on May 26, 1926 in Alton, Illinois. So this one, he was born in, in the North rather than, you know, most of them came from the South, but this time um, we're talking about a born Northerner. So that's where he's from, Alton, um, Illinois. His father, Miles Davis Jr., was actually a successful dentist, um, dental surgeon, and his mother was an accomplished uh, a music teacher. So her name was Cleota um, Alton Henry. Henry was her maiden name, Miss Cleota um, Henry. And, you know, Actually, Miles came from a um, middle-class family. His family was middle-class. They didn't come from dirt poor, like you know a lot of the um, other artists that we have talked about. So he was—he uh, actually came from a, um, you know, he's one of the few that was, you know, he came from a pretty um, middle-class, had a pretty good childhood in that respect, as far as not being um, struggling for anything. Um, in 1928, at the age, by the age of when he became two years old, um, his family moved to East St. Louis. Um, anybody who knows about St. Louis, there's St. Louis and then you cross over and then there's East St. Louis. At that particular time, East St. Louis was predominantly white. So they actually um, moved into, they were one of the few um, black families that moved into a white area. And that's where his uh, father 
um, had his practice as a uh, dental surgeon. Um, Miles also had two other siblings. He had an older sister and a younger brother. So Miles was in the uh, was in the middle. He was the middle child. Um, by the age of 13, his father gave him a trumpet, and that's how he made a start as far as uh, being a, become a trumpet player. And he played in the high school band. Um, and then that is where he um, met his mentor at the time, who was named Clark Terry. And Clark Terry was at that point known, um, very well known in the St. Louis area. By the age of uh, early 20s, um, Miles got married and had two children from that early marriage. And um, in 1944, he moved to New York City and played with Billy Eckstein. Um, Billy Eckstein was another uh, famous uh, uh, band leader of uh, jazz. He um, played with him uh, briefly while he attended Juilliard School of Music. So he was really a, a go-getter. He was, by day, he studied music and by night he played at the local jazz um, uh, jazz places in the area, some of the jazz spots. And this is where he gained the, uh, a reputation of learning how to play the beatbox. Um, that's when usually in the, like in the 40s, it, it became uh, more uh, into the beatbox. Uh, sound of jazz than the earlier stuff. And this is where he um, connected with uh, Charlie Bird Parker. You know, remember I talked about him two weeks ago. So Bird and Miles, they connected at that point along with them. Um, this is where he met, also met um, Dizzy Gillespie, Bats Navarro, and Matt Roach. And in that particular time from 47 to 1948 they he was a part of that quintet so it was those um individuals who um created a quintet and out of that quintet they uh recorded the song called um birth of the cool and this was supposedly the start of the west coast jazz school from that actual um song birth of the cool and incidentally in this quintet it was uh bird parker who was the leader of that group so um during that time when they played together bird was uh the actual band leader from this group also miles was able to hone his craft and he set himself apart um, in his um, trumpet player, because as you recall, Bird was, Bird Parker was actually, he was the saxophonist and Miles was trumpet player. And so his, you know, he eventually gained his craft, gained his momentum and gained his popularity and his style. And, you know, that kind of set him apart from everybody else. So um, by the 1950s, Miles unfortunately got 
into that drug scene like Bird did, like Coltrane did, and he became addicted to heroin. And uh, he was, you know, full-blown addict by that time, by the 50s, early, 50, early to mid-50s. And it became so bad that his, uh, for three years, he was kind of out of the, the scene because he was, you know, in, into that drug life. But by 1954, he was able to kick that habit and, you know, build himself back up to regain his stamina, gained his stance in in the jazz scene. So, you know, he's had to start off small because, I mean, he dropped from grace. He pretty much dropped out because of his drug use. So he had to, you know, build himself back up and he did that by playing with, you know, smaller groups and he was able to build himself back up. And um, by that point, um, he was feeling enough confident to form his own group. And that's what he did in 1955. And that is when John Coltrane, who I talked about last week, Coltrane um, joined um, Miles Davis's group in 1955. And with John Coltrane, he had the pianist Red Garland, um, bass player um, Paul Chambers, and drummer player uh, Philly Joan Jones. Coltrane incidentally left the group in the 60s to create as he wanted to do his own thing. So, and also if you recall, um, Coltrane is also battling with uh, heroin addiction but at by the 60s Coltrane wanted to go venture out on his own so he did leave the group and um but during the time when Coltrane was in the group and played that was at the height of, of their of the group success of Miles uh success was during that core group that I just mentioned that he was at they were probably one of the known well-known um dominant group jazz group of the scene of that day um they were they were it they were the group so um until coltrane left and after coltrane left you know it, it wasn't the same miles did try to you know there were other replacements, but it wasn't the same as that first core group. So, you know, obviously, you know, when you got a good um, band member or a player like Coltrane or even Bird Parker, you know, it, it's kind of hard to duplicate that. Even if, you know, if you want to try to move on, it's really hard to duplicate that. But, you know, he tried. And, and not to say that he wasn't successful, but it wasn't as successful as he was um, during that, during when they all were together, the first, the actual first original group. So um, by 1970, uh, Miles recorded the hit album, which was actually um, was certified as gold, and that was called Bitches Brew. If anybody's familiar with that, that core album, that, that was a good album, jazz album called Bitches on um, Rue. 
Um, so everybody, anybody who knows about uh, Miles Davis on a personal note, his personality, uh, I would say it was, he was a complex person. He, he was a difficult person to know because um, he has so many layers of him. He was a hard person to deal with. He was not what you call a open, friendly person. Matter of fact, I mean, he wasn't friendly at all to whoever he played with. He what didn't have a show, he didn't have a, a stage presence at all. I mean, he was always complaining, they, you know, audience always complained that um, he was not engaging to, to the audience because he was always, when he played, he always had his back to the audience. So he never really engaged the audience. He was considered, you know, aloof, standoffish. Actually, he was very, um, I mean, he also was the type of person who spoke his mind. Um, there was no sugarcoating to what, you know, he had to say. And he, you know, he, he was kind of a, you know, rough person. If you see pictures of him, you rarely see a picture of him smiling. I was looking through some of the photos and it wasn't that he was uh he wasn't he wasn't really a friendly person but on the other hand um a lot of that could be because of what he experienced um he you know said he was particularly very um considered hostile to whites because of what he had to go through during the um during his early career you know starting out um there was one incident where you know he got beaten up by by the cops uh outside of a jazz club where he was playing and i don't think i don't know what he there was nothing i guess they just stopped him harassed him i don't know they didn't think a black man should be um around that particular jazz club or, or something, but they were harassing him. And, and matter of fact, I think he was he just got finished playing, um, playing in that particular club. And I think he, I think he was just outside, you know, smoking or whatever. And, and you know, the cops came up to him and, you know, they started harassing him. And then, you know, and Miles is probably the one, you know, spoke spoke up and, and probably talked back to them and whatever. And so, you know, the cops, they pretty much, they pretty much beat him. And so, I, I, you know, that was the, he still carried that hostility. And, um, but at the same time, even though he was like that, he also was somewhat generous. Um, he did replace a lot of the, his, players that in his um, band were white uh, musicians and he would um, help out struggling musicians. He, he was very generous of, like that, even though, you know, he, of his hard personality, he did, he would help you out if, if you need it. And if he thought you were worthy of it, he, he would help you out. And it, it didn't matter who you were, if you were white, or black, you know, struggling musician or whatever, which is probably why he gave, you know, um, Bird 
an opportunity. Because if you recall, when I was talking about his story, that, um, you know, um, Miles had to, when he, he was playing under Miles, Miles had to put him out because he, you know, at that point he was, uh, you know, he was, wasn't able to perform because of his drug use. But at the same time, he thought, Miles thought so much of Bird because of his playing and his talent. And he knew how, you know, because he's been there too. So he tried to, you know, do what he can to help them. And he did um, eventually, you know, would hire him back. So, I mean, it's not like he was, um, you know, just straight stone. I mean, he did, I mean, like I said, he was considered to be a man of mystery, a man who had, was very complex. Uh, he was just a hard person to get to know. But if he liked you, you might not, I mean, you might think he doesn't, but if he thinks enough of, of you, he will do, you know, he was very generous in, in, that, in that way. Um, Miles was married a total of three times. Um, his first wife was named Frances Taylor. His second wife was um, Betty Mabry. And everybody knows his third and final wife was um, Cicely, the famous actress, um, Cicely Tyson. And all three, you know, he divorced. But it seemed like I didn't know that actually um, he and Cicely were actually divorced because, but Cicely obviously still um, supported him in in different way, even though they were divorced. Um, he, he she was there for him. Uh, he has four children, three sons and one daughter. He has uh, had at the time um, seven grandchildren. So. Um, but in 1991, um, he died on September 28th due to a pneumonia, respiratory failure, and uh, he had a stroke along with that. So that that's what uh, took him out. So that's Miles Davis. One thing about Miles Davis, you know, we all know him. We all know his playing, and he was one of the few artist who was able to stay relevant with the times because he was you know was around for what 50 something years started you know his career started in the 40s early 40s but by the 80s set was 60s into the 70s and then in the 80s he was able he still was able to play um even on stage, he was able to acclimate his playing with, you know, the music that was relevant at that time. So he played with the other, you know, musicians and was able, you know, and still, you know, was able to play. Um, only thing that changed was his way he was dressed. He let, let his hair grow long. Um, he wore those dark glasses. Like I said, that that's the mystique. That's the mysterious of him he doesn't you know he don't let nobody get close to him but you know he was you know he contributed a lot um in different music genre it wasn't even the jazz i mean he contributed a lot in hip-hop he contributed a lot in the r b music so he, he was able to still stay relevant until 
you know, he passed away. So that's it. That is the infamous man with the horn, um, Miles Davis. So next week um, is the uh, season, final season. And I think next week I'll be kind of recapping um, and talk about um, all the artists that I've talked to about throughout this um, season two. So it is kind of a recap. And um, so I hope everyone would tune in for that. Um, jazz is a complex uh, genre. It's, it's one of those genres either you like it or, or you don't because it's, it's nothing, you know, you have to kind of understand it and kind of, you know, understand its creativity. It's like um, being an artist. You have to understand um, an artist's creativity when they paint. You know, it may not make sense to some people, but just listening to the sound and the song that they play and how they play it, you know, either you either you like it or you don't. So that's one of the things we'll talk about next week. And like I said, as I wrap up season two. So if you haven't already on Facebook, please share, subscribe and share. Uh, go to www.morewineandmusic.com. I'm going to, because of the end of the season, I will be creating a t-shirt that uh, represents season two for the jazz genre. Each season, I try to create a t-shirt for that particular uh, genre that I'm that I'm talking about. So here you have it. All right, you guys um, take care of yourself. And I, I just want to say this: life is very, very short. We're living in the times to where you don't know, you know, if you're going to be here or not. So keep your family close love your family um reach out to those that your loved ones or friends that you haven't heard from in years um because time is is there's no tomorrow tomorrow is not promised it's not you know you may think you have time you know and putting it off means that you've missed out so let's look at our lives moving forward as live it as this as if it's your last because it, it it could be all right you enjoy the rest of your night and in your weekend and i will talk to you next week good night